Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We're a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. Today, I want to start a three-message series on hearing the voice of God. Uh, This is uh, an extremely important three messages. How many of you would agree with me, or wait, well, yeah, how many of you would agree with me and you would say God still speaks today, amen? Is God still speaking today? Well, listen, the, the answer to that is for you who are watching us online and for those of us that are in the sanctuary this morning, the answer is yes, God still speaks to us today. I know this isn't a message that is, is uh, uh, widely spoken throughout the church today. We've came into a place, and Pastor Caleb talked about this over the last couple things, and I'm not going to berail or, or, or uh, say negative things about the church, but the church has become more about what's in it for me. It's about I, it's about uh, self-help messages and those types of things. But the greatest help that we can ever get comes from the one who loves us more than we can ever imagine. And so for him to help us, we've got to be able to listen to what he's saying because he has a message and his blood, it speaks a better word. Come on now. And so when we get into that place of understanding that God is still speaking, then we can know how he's leading us. And when he's speaking and leading us, we can know something is going to happen when we say yes to what he's saying when we choose to move into the direction he's leading us to. And so at the beginning of this series, let me just pray for a moment. Father, I thank and praise you. You're incredible. What an honor it is to be speaking this morning about you, about who you are and and what you do and, and what we can have when we listen to you and and honor you. Father, we thank you this morning that it's uh, such a a, a comfort to know that it doesn't matter how crazy everything is around us. We know when we're on that place that you have called us to be. There's peace, there's purpose, there's love, there's just uh, uh, kindness, there's goodness in every place that you have put us to be. And not only do those things come to us, but we can be those things to other people as well. And so, Father, over this next couple Sundays, I pray that these would be transformational times. And, Father, I pray, God, that as we open up your word and dig into the the different ways, I pray that they would be revelatory in the ways that you speak to us. I pray, God, that people would realize that when they get that thing in their mind that says, oh, you need to turn left, that they would just turn left and they would begin to learn that that's the way you guide and direct us. And so, Father, today, we just thank and praise you for these opportunities to join together and to do the things that you've called us to do. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We talked about being in a church that, that honors the things of God, that opens its, its, um, it, its, its reality 
to the supernatural side of who God is. When we look at 1 Corinthians 2, 7, it says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden uh, wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Uh, and then verse 10 says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. God is a revealing God. God's not looking to hide these supernatural aspects of who he is from those who believe in him. But isn't it interesting that when it talks in verse 8, it says, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they have known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I'm firmly convinced that when people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, like this sociologist, there's something that happens inside of them. They get a taste of a supernatural realm, uh, 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 the person of God. What an amazing testimony that this person is just sitting there not feeling connected because they are, are, are somehow not part of the group, but God pushes her to be in the middle of the group. Why? Because he's always looking and searching and seeking after those who are lost because that's who he is. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. I want to read to you uh, just a quote out of Dr. Mark Verkler, uh, his book, and the book is called... Uh, Dialogue with God, Opening the Door to a Two-Way Prayer. Amazing books. If you want to hear the voice of God, you have to practice it. Yeah. And there's, no, there's no better resources that we have than Dr. Mark Verkler's resources. He's been here before. He's taught here. Maybe we should have him back here again soon to go over this again. But the Apostle Paul writes that there were... Kingdom, they're not kingdom, they were world leaders, people in the world. The wisdom of, that this God has was just passing them by because they didn't understand who he was. Now, Dr. Verkler says this, Jesus declared, my sheep hear my voice in John 10, 27. I do believe that this is true. He is always speaking and his sheep do hear his voice. Now listen, unfortunately... Our culture has so affected our minds that we often do not recognize that it is our shepherd who is speaking. And that is so true. So many people will say to me, Pastor, how does God speak to us? I, I don't think I've ever heard God's voice. I don't think uh, that, that God has ever spent the time to talk to me. But when we start drilling down into events in people's lives, we see that what God was revealing to them got misinterpreted as just kind of a thought of their own or they didn't realize what God was going to sound like. You know, sometimes there is, in learning to hear the voice of God, there is an internal dialogue that doesn't necessarily have a voice. If you hear... Um, if I were to play one of Pastor Willard's sermons right now, you would know 100% who that was. There was no voice like pastors. 
He just had a, a, a distinguishable voice. And if I were to put a tape on, you'd be like, oh, that's pastor's voice. You knew that because you heard him. The same thing happens. Yes, do, do, that's right. That's exactly right. That uh, Jason was making a, a, a Willardism over there because he, he affected all of us. He touched, you know, transformed my life, literally transformed my life. And so, but when it comes to hearing that voice of God, that internal way that God speaks to each of us, we're not aware of what that sounds like. So we don't distinguish that voice in the same way that we would distinguish either uh, somebody's voice that preaches or, or somebody's famous voice on, on television. But the reality is, is that God is speaking. Our Western civilization has become so rationalistic, so humanistic, and so scientific that we have left no place for the spiritual to break in on the visible world. But if we quieted our frantic thoughts long enough to hear his words, we would probably exclaim, I have a brilliant idea, or the answer just came to me. When man is the center of the universe and the source of all knowledge, I must be the originator of all my thoughts. But that's not the case. These are the ways that God speaks to us. How many of you realize that all good things come from God? Amen? The Bible tells us in the book of James, all good things come from God. And when you get a thought that originates that something good is going to come out of that thought, you're going to do something for somebody else. You're going to be a part of something that's going to make a difference. I'm telling you, that is God speaking to you. And when we learn how to harness that, amazing things happen. In verse 11, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. God's Spirit is uh, still at work on the earth today. Now, turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to Joshua chapter 1. I just want to make some uh, quick indications of things that I spoke of way back in July. I told you that I was going to do this in September, and September got away. Quite frankly, September got away with a shoulder surgery, and I thank you guys all for your prayers and for your patience. And so we're trying to move forward because I'm tired of being in neutral, and so away we go. I had told you before that there was a day that I was just studying the word and it just struck me in verse uh, one of chapter one, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua. Time and time again, I think 46 times in the Bible, uh, the Bible says, and God said, and God said, and God said. And when I started to look at that, I thought if God spoke to Joshua, then why could he not speak to Dwight as well? And so I thought to myself, if God spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I'm going to send them, the children of Israel. And every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you as I gave to Moses." I think it's an amazing encounter when we think of what that must have meant to Joshua 
to know that God was with him, number one, to know that God was honoring the place that he was. How many of you know that Joshua's claim to fame up to this time was, is he was Moses' assistant? And I, I just want to make a reference to this point. So many times in, in biblical places, whether it's... Uh, uh, this particular case with Joshua uh, serving Moses, so many people served somebody else before God sent them out into their place of service. And so, you know, being, being number two is not a bad place to be. Being number three is not a bad place to be. Because it's in the preparations of the twos and threes that God then brings us to the place of our ultimate destiny. And so we see God spoke to Joshua. Turn with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 15. And I gave you these same scriptures before, but I, I just want to just quickly go back over them again. Moses uh, is uh, leading the Israelites uh, from the Red Sea. They went to the wilderness, 1522, Exodus 1522. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're looking at it on the screen, say, it's on the screen. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of, of, of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. They were, came to the place of Marah. Marah means bitter. They couldn't drink the water, and the people complained against Moses, 25. So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Is, is if it would have said, and God said, go to this tree, or God showed him this tree, is there any difference in that statement? No, there is not any difference. God said, this is the tree. And how did he say that? Because he directed Moses' attention. How many times is God directing our attention to something? He's not actually saying that, Dave, here's the tree. But Dave's focus gets moved to the tree. And, and, so, and then God uh, accentuates what he's going to do through that tree. And so he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And then he made a gesture and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. And said... If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I, uh, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who what? Heals you. He is the God who heals us. How did he make that known? He healed the water. The water was bitter. It was undrinkable. And he took and showed Moses a tree that if he put that tree in the water, it would change the whole aspect. What happened because of what God showed him? Millions of people got to drink water. The murmuring stopped. The place of uh, the respect of Moses got brought to a new dimension because the leader who was leading them and brought them to a place of bitter water could now transform that water in the same way that the Red Sea was pushed back. Because of what God showed him, he was able to lead God's people into a different place of their destiny. Now, I know that many of you will say, well, that only lasted for about X amount of days. Well, that's not Moses' problem, and that's not because God said... 
That's because people listen to an external voice that speaks not a better word, but a word that's about them and them only, and not about the big picture of the kingdom. And so here we see God showing him and then giving them uh, direction. If you diligently heed the what? Voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord. Turn with me, if you would, to uh, Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19, verse 3. I hope that you guys write these things down because my point today is going to be about how God speaks through his word. How God speaks through his word. Am I already in a negative four minutes and 55 seconds? <laughs> Blasphemy. Yes. <laughs> you shall not pass. And Moses went up. Can y'all give me 15 more minutes? Just, and y'all be okay with it? Because, I mean, this has been a great day, but I really want to make a point today. And, and I'll try to make it as succinctly as possible. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him in the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. Uh, you have seen uh, what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Wow, that is so powerful. You have seen what I've done and I brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments, and there we go again. God has a voice. He wants that voice to be heard. He wants us to obey the things that we hear. Turn with me to John chapter 10 real quickly. John chapter 10. God has a voice, and people say, well, that's what he did in the Old Testament. Well, no, his voice kept speaking in the Gospels. Read the red. Read the red. That's God's voice. Okay? He's still speaking. He actually spoke a lot in the New Testament. Okay? He spoke a lot in the New Testament. Verse 22. Now it was the Feast of Dedication, John 10, 22. I want to make sure I'm clear today. John 10, 22. And 23, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, now listen to me, how long do you keep us in doubt? See, this is the voice that Dr. Verkler is talking about. This is the humanistic voice. This is the voice that wants to sound like the voice of reason. This is the, the voice that, that the world echoes. Just watch the news one night. I did Thursday night for two hours, and I was just appalled at what was coming out of people, the lies that come out of people's mouth. I don't even know how they can even eat out of that same mouth that, that lies so much. Then the Jews surrounded him and said, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Okay? Jesus answered and he said, I told you, I told you, I told you already, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But listen, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep as I have said to you. I'm going to show you something how God developed me into one of his sheep here in just a moment. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and what do they do? They follow me. How do you know when you're hearing the voice of God? 
This is how you know. You, you begin to follow him like there's no tomorrow. When you're hearing the voice of God, there's an excitement in you that can't wait to get up the next day. Every day is not a Monday. There is no Monday when you're hearing the voice of God because every day is God's day. And it's another opportunity for him to speak to you. And when God speaks to you, he motivates you. And when God motivates you, something incredible and exciting is going to happen in your life. How do you know that you're following God? You're hearing his voice. You're following him. How do you follow him? If, if he says it, you do it. If he says it, you believe it. There is no voice in the history of mankind that's going to lead you into a place of perfect peace like the voice of God. God's voice will always lead you into a place of perfect peace. Now, I didn't say you wouldn't be in the midst of a hurricane, but you can be in the midst of a hurricane and have perfect peace. You can be in the midst of the most trying time in your life. But when the voice of God is what you follow and you choose to follow him, something incredible happens. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. Mm. I'm not even going there. That is a too deep of a subject. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm in good hands. Tell them. You know that all-state guy, the mayhem guy? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about, mayhem? He ain't got nothing. He's got no way to snatch you out of God's hands. I love that commercial, mayhem. But there is no mayhem when we're in God's hands. Why? Because he's given us eternal life. No one uh, shall perish when they follow him and neither shall anyone take them out of his hands. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. And I and my father are one. Now. There's 10 ways, and I want you to write these down. There's 10 ways that God speaks to us. Why 10 ways? There's probably 15, but I'm smart enough to only find 10 of them. Okay, so if you all find another way, email me at Caleb Schaefer. <laughs> yeah, Rick. We got to stick together because that mug is throwing us under the bus all the time. Okay. How does God speak to us? These are the ways that I've found in the Bible. We're going to talk about all of these over the next several weeks. One, he speaks through his audible voice. He has a voice. Two, number one, audible voice. Two, he speaks to us through his word. We're going to talk about that one today. That's where I'm going to land. Three, he speaks to us through dreams consistently. How many of you have had, ever had a God dream? Oh, you guys are just the supernatural body that I love. A God dream. Four, he speaks to us through visions. Visions. Five, he speaks to us through angels. This is important. This is really important. 
You know, angels have become a statue on somebody's fireplace mantle, and they've been worshipped mystically as if they, they, they are gods, and that is not what angels were intended to do. They are ministering spirits, ministering on our behalf. And when you get on the chessboard, you got angels surrounding you. His angels watching over me. Every step I take. Anybody old enough to remember that song? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. He speaks to us through the prophetic. Number six, the prophetic. Number seven, this one you might not think of, but it's true. He speaks to us through the wisdom of believers. The wisdom of believers. How many of you have had a friend in Christ just drop a a golden nugget on your lap, and you were like, wow, wow, that is amazing. And we get to do that for other people as well. The eighth way he speaks to us is through Jesus. Jesus himself. Number nine, the ninth way he speaks to us is through the Holy Spirit. There is no order here, so don't text Caleb this week and say, I can't believe that pastor said Jesus was number eight on the list. (laughs) Jesus is number one, okay? He's number one. And number 10 is this. He speaks to us through the gift of discerning of spirits. Mm, Where would we be without the gift of discerning of spirits? Amen? So today I want to talk about number two, his word. How does God speak to us through his word? Now, just a quick lesson. Every word that's on a page is a Logos word. Okay, that's a Logos word. Every word, every word that you hear from the voice of God, that's a Rhema word. Does God use Logos and transform it into Rhema? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to show you how that worked in my life. And what I'm hoping this will do will transform the way you read the Bible. See, everything in here is designed to help move us to the place of our destiny and, and, and have the power that God has uh, uh, established for us to have for the place on the chessboard that we are to be used. So, yes... God can take a Logos word, a word written on a page, and then he can make that particular word come alive for you and then speak audibly to you through that word. It's an amazing thing. How does that happen? Step one. I'm going to transform you. I want to blow your mind right here, okay? Number one. Every time you open your Bible, before you read a word, before you read a word, Pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, show me exactly what you want me to see. Holy Spirit, show me exactly what you want me to see. Once I began doing that somewhere around 1985 or 6, the whole perspective of the word changed dramatically. It was was never the same. The words, the Logos words that laid flat on a page became a movie for me. I could find myself in the midst of 
when Jesus went to, to, to heal the lepers and I, I, I was sitting there watching him from a distance and watching all of the people going, he is not going over, he is not going to touch, oh, he touched the lepers. Mm. John chapter 16 tells us that the Holy Spirit guides us. He guides us, what, into the future things that God has in store for us. How does he show us that? He takes the Logos word, the written word on the page, and, and when it comes to that place that's going to be significant for you, he lifts it off and transforms it, and then God begins to speak to you in the midst of what you read. How does that work? Turn with me to John chapter 12, verse 20. Going to give you a couple of examples of how that worked for me. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came to worship at the feast. This right here is what changed my life. This, this thing right here changed my life. It's a New American Standard New Testament. I bought this back in the 80s because it was Pastor Jarvis's favorite translation, the New American Standard. So... If he was my leader, I wanted to be like him, so I got the version that, that he used. And the only reason I used the New King James, number one, because it's, well, I, gosh, I don't even want to say that because somebody's <laughs> going to get offended, okay? But uh, it's just a smart version of the Bible, I'm just saying. And the NASB is almost identical to, to the New King James. And so this changed my life. How? Because every chance I got, I can't tell you how many times I've read through this in the first five years of my walk with God. Now, Jesus said, then they, they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and they asked him, saying, Sir, uh, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and, and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus said to them, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Starting in John chapter 12, Jesus is beginning to reveal his ultimate purpose. It was as if he didn't want to lead them on any further. These guys had, 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 are walking with him in, in trying times, and they're trusting in him, and now he's got to start revealing to him, fellas, I'm not going to be around forever. And so this is how he starts it. And Jesus said, the hour has come, the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it does, it produces much grain. Now capture this now, capture this. He who loves his life will lose it. But he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Keep going. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. After I read that, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I need you to follow me like this. I need you to make a choice. I need you to make a choice that you will say from this point forward that there is no turning back. And if you can make the choice to say there is no turning back, I will take you to places that you could never dream of. This is in the 80s that God spoke this to me. He said, if anyone serves me, and I thought, well, I, I want to serve the Lord. So I made a choice at that from this. Let him follow me. Now, here's what's interesting about this. When we talk about following Jesus, 
We can't talk about this as we're following him from a servant leadership position. What do I mean by that? That I'm going to follow Jesus, become his servant, so that he can promote me to be a leader. That, that, that's the wrong motive for this. Okay? Here's the reality. That Jesus is saying, I don't want you to become a servant leader. I want you to become a servant follower. I want you to become a servant follower. Because if you will follow me, I will make you. Remember what he said? Follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. If you follow Jesus, he will make you. So how do we follow him? We become a servant. That we put away the things that matter to us. And, and what he was asking me is, can you drop your plans and desires and pick up mine? Yes. And if you will do that, the only way that will happen is if you become a follower. Follow me and I will lead you. It's not about who you're going to lead at this point in your life. Can you choose to follow me? Will you give up every aspiration that you have to be a CEO of a major corporation? Will you lay that down and allow me to lead you? I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember just saying to myself, yes, 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 I will follow you in that way. I will follow you wherever you lead. I'm in. What do I have to go back to anyway? I, I, I'm in a whole different destiny of my life. There's no turning back. See, Jesus is saying in this particular scripture, follow me where I am, there my servant will be also. And I thought to myself, if I follow Jesus, then I'm going to be next to him because that's where his servant is, is where he is. What a great transformation. What an amazing trade that I could make. If anyone serves me, listen to this, him, my father, will what? Honor. I just, it blew my mind. I thought, I choose to be his follower, then he chooses to let me be with him, and then well, while I'm with him, then the father will honor me? How does that, that blows my mind that the God of the universe would honor me by following him. Now, I mentioned this to you earlier. When we see how great servant uh, followers started out, it says Mo Moses served, uh, serves Jethro caring for his flock. Joshua serves Moses. Elisha serves Elijah. David is Saul's servant. Even to the midst that, that his men were begging him to kill Saul. They had him. They cut the robe of his garment. They could have killed him. And, and, and David said, do not touch God's anointed. Do not touch Saul. I am to be the, the one who, who is his follower. Powerful stuff. When you allow God to speak to you through his uh, logos and allow the Holy Spirit to transform it to your moment, God makes something incredible out of it. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. These are personal things that the Word of God did for me. People say, well, how does God speak to you through the Word? I don't know. Read it and find out. Find out for yourself. Read it every day. 
Read it like there's no tomorrow. I want to challenge you. For every day you don't read the word, don't eat food. Every day you don't read the word, don't eat food. Okay, because this is the food that you know not of. This is the internal thing that will change you forever and ever and ever. That Big Mac is just going to cause you calories and pounds and an upset stomach, and you got to take Tagamet, and then you sit around going, oh, I feel so bloated. <laughs> I have never read the word too much to where I said, oh, I feel so bloated. Come but on. let me challenge you. If you don't read the word, don't eat. Don't eat food unless, until you read the word. Oh, I know some of y'all will be reading a lot of Bible. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Now, second point, second thing that God showed me, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. He said, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and what? And gave himself for her. And I, I read that one day and God said this to me. He said, I have given you a gift. I have given you one of my daughters. I have given you a, a, an incredible woman, and I want you to love her in the same way my son loved the church. And I thought to myself, how in the world could I do such a thing? How could I love somebody to the place that, Jesus, you gave your life for the church. How can I do that? And God said, just follow me, follow me, and I will show you how to do these things. But guess what? The following me meant I left my plans, my direction, my destiny by the wayside. Because when you have to love somebody like Jesus loves the church, what you quickly find out is, is the I in me quickly has to be thrown away. The, the, the I in me, there's no I in team, and there's no I in, in Jesus going to the cross, so there can be no I in the way I love my gift. And so when I love my wife, I love it in the morning when I can go into the kitchen and pour just amount of her Italian sweet cream into the cup and I get my little whisper and I zoom, zoom, zoom and it goes flying out of the cup up on my arms and zoom, 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 zoom and then I put just a little extra in that spoon and I punch eight cups and I put that spoon underneath there because it's going to make the sweet cream look like it's got a pattern in it and then I get to go take that first thing in the morning to the one I love. You don't do that stuff unless Jesus transforms your heart. You, don't, you can't love like he calls us to love. So how does that happen? Well, we get into the Logos word, and then that is something that was so important to me that then God exemplified it and showed me how I could love my wife like Jesus loved the church. Now, according to my daughters, I'm extremely needy, and uh, I, I understand that fact, and I don't deny it. I don't deny it. And what I'm in need of, listen to this, is the one I love. Amen. And I'm needy for Jesus. 
I'm needy for, for Tammy. I'm needy for my family. I am. I'm very needy. But I, I, I need Jesus. Number three, last one. Turn with me to Malachi. And I'm going to tell you, unless I would have listened to the first scripture God led me to, I would have never honored this one. No way. No way. Malachi 3.8. Will, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation... Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there will not be enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, that he will not destroy the fruits of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. When God showed me this, you guys all know the story. You all know the story. I'm reading this at work. I get called out. It says, why would a man rob God? And then I had to go handle some issues. Couldn't wait to get back. I'm riding back and thinking, what knucklehead would rob God? You know, I was like taking out God's wallet and taking the monies and his credit cards out. And I'm thinking, who would do that? I got to get back and read who this guy is that would rob God. Well, that guy was me. Because every time my wife wanted to tithe to the Lord, I was telling her to just give God a little bit. $25, $30, when we should have been giving him way more than that every week. And that Sunday when she said, what should I give God? And I said, you give him what we're supposed to give. And as I've told you before, th that was in 83 or 4, and she never has asked me ever again <laughs> what, I should, what she should give God. As a matter of fact, she has came to me several times with this this, she said, have you noticed anything about our finances? Have you noticed, like, anything being any different, like any tighter? Have you noticed, like, we don't have enough? No, baby. She said, good, because I've been given 15%. And I'm like, you go, girl. I mean, that's awesome. I don't know where we are now. I don't even want to know. But I know this, that when God takes a Logos and lifts it off the page and brings it alive to you personally, your life is never the same. You are transformed in a way that can't be, tra your, your life can't be transformed. God's voice is a transforming voice. Would you stand with me? What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. What a great honor it is to be with you all. What a great opportunity God has given us to serve him. Let's take what we know from the Lord, and let's make an impact. Let's move our chess piece around this week, put the enemy in checkmate, and let's allow God to be God in our lives. Father, today I thank you for your word.
I thank you the way that when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into what we're reading, that you not only take that Logos word that we read in the page and make it amazing, but you lift it off the page and you make it a word from you. You instruct, you, you lead, you give us inspiration for those things that we've read. And Father, we thank you for that. I thank you, God, that John chapter 12 calls us to be a follower of you, that we would serve you and follow you. Help us to never lose that heart to be a follower of the Most High God. And Father, today we thank you as we start this series of hearing your voice. Father, speak to your people this week. And we give you praise today. And all of God's people said... Let's give the Lord a praise offering. He is worthy. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listen to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.